Hello, welcome to Women of Substance. Today, I'm just so excited. I, I know I always say that, but these women are just so amazing to me, and I know that they are to you once you hear the interviews. But today, I have Sister Vicki Burke, and uh, she is the wife of Dennis Burke. Many of you know their ministry. They've been uh, ministering for 40, I think she said 43 years. So uh, they've been around the world, taught everywhere. And uh, of course, um, many ties to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. At one time, they were both employed there and a couple of years, and they have kept close connections with the Copelands and Ministers Conference. They've preached there many times. And uh, anyway, Vicki is just, um, I think, so refreshing. She's very um, upfront and honest in these, this session today about her life and uh, a book uh, that I had uh, that I read, kind of read. I mean, it was an audio book, so I listened to it actually. Um, Some days you dance, and she wrote that about her testimony and about her uh, upbringing, which was was very very dysfunctional. And she's very honest about that and how she came out of that through counseling and through, of course, the Word of God. And but I think that you'll be uh, greatly blessed by her and her determination to uh, serve God and to to be all that God's called her to be. And then um, inspired by her overcoming um, some grievous things that were spoken to her when she was a, a young girl. So be, uh, you know, be open and attentive when you listen to this and then tell others about it, because I think it can really help other people as well. God bless you as you listen today. Welcome to Women of Substance today, and I have my very special friend, Vicki Burke, with me. I'm so excited, Vicki. Yes, I'm excited to be here as well. <laughs> Thank you for accepting the invitation, and I just can't say enough about how much you mean to me, and you just have inspired me with your teachings and your books and just uh, our friendship, and it's just a delight to have you in my life, and I really do appreciate you so much. Well, I feel the same way about you. I've seen you from a distance for so many years, and I always felt in my heart, I want to know her. I want to be my friend to her. And when we became friends, it was like, see, I knew I liked her. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's true. We've had so many fun times together with yeah. Dennis and David and the two of us and even spent some holiday time together. <laughs> that was yeah. so funny. I remember the nights we were all like on the beach laughing and just hysterics. It's good to laugh, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> we're out of control. <laughs> out of control for sure. But it was fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just so glad that we can share and talk a little bit about your life and ministry. And wow, what a ministry y'all have had. And uh, we were talking a while ago about 43 years of ministry and it started in California, and I love what you talk about when you said um, your boyfriend was sharing some scriptures, but you were kind of scared because you had heard <laughs> that if you read the Bible, it'll make you crazy. Is yes. that right? The Catholic Church back then taught us not to read your Bible, and we had a family Bible that sat on our um, coffee table in the living room, and I would be so afraid that I would get, kind of turn my head, and I'd turn it to the pictures and look at the pictures and then slam it shut because we were already crazy. We didn't need to be more crazy. So, I, you know, I was afraid of that crazy. So I never read the Bible until one of my boyfriends, you know, came and witnessed to me. And I, I told him, I said, I'm so burned. I'm so angry. I'm so mad. He said, why? I mean, I'm reading the Bible to you. I said, because I understand what you're saying. Oh. And all those years, I only looked at the pictures. <laughs> yes. Isn't that something how we can have the strangest ideas about mm -hmm. um, God and the Bible and the word, you know, just it, all of it. It can be yeah. so mysterious if we're not taught. Correct. Yes. I remember when my, I was 16 years old when my dad was dying and I prayed that God would heal him. Of course, I wasn't a Christian. I knew nothing about the Bible. All I wow. knew was. I wanted to impress God so yeah. he would heal my dad. 
So I would get up in the morning with an alarm radio, a clock radio for my alarm. I don't even think they have those anymore, but um, I turned it on a gospel station and it was J. Vernon McGee. And I turned it as low as it could go. So I didn't have to listen, but I thought I was going to win God's favor and my dad would be healed. Now, is that crazy? No. Where did I get that idea that I can? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do. We just, if we're not, again, you know, if we're not schooled and taught Mm -hmm. in the word, we kind of come up with our own perceptions and our own ideas. And, mm-hmm. and I know I had some crazy ideas about God. You know, I really thought he was mad at me and, and I was a child. It wasn't that I had that much time to disappoint him. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that, you know, I just had that idea. And um, I was so glad to know when I found out that he loved me and I was the righteousness yeah. of God that changed my life. So yeah, I can understand. But from then, what happened after? Because you did you accept the Lord then? It was what nineteen seventy one. Did yes. Um, so what happened is there was a large earthquake in Southern California, and my boyfriend had gone to Seattle and gotten born again, and oh. so he c- came down when that earthquake happened because the Bible said in the last days there'll be earthquakes. So he yeah. came down to witness to all of his friends. Now this guy dropped out of school in the tenth grade. He was an alcoholic, a drug addict. He went to Vietnam as a Marine, came back with PTSD, which then we didn't even know what that was, but he was goofed up and he smoked. And so when he asked if he could um, talk with me after that earthquake, I went to his house and I opened, when he opened the door, I was terrified, Mm. terrified because I didn't know that person that was standing in front of me. His face was the same. Wow. But I knew that wasn't him. Something Isn't changed. that wild? Oh, something had changed and scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I came in the house and I looked around for cigarettes. There's no cigarettes. I looked for drugs. There's no drugs. There always would have been alcohol and drugs. And yeah. so I kind of sat down like, should I run or should I stay? And when he started reading the Bible to me, he read the parables. And I remember telling him, I get that. I get it. So I did that for three days. I took off work. I told him I was sick and I came to his house for three days. He read the Bible to me and I was just shocked that I could understand it. So, um, yeah. So then, yeah, he, we spent two weeks together with him reading the Bible to me and, um, I never walked an aisle. I never prayed a prayer, but I knew that I knew that I knew my heart was different. Yeah. I was a different person. Yeah. Well, it's that incorruptible seed of the word mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. us. That's so I awesome. knew I knew this with what he had read to me and what I heard. I could not live my life without living for God. It was yeah. just like there's just, just no question about it. That's my answer. Yeah. So, yeah, That's I funny. was born again and I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even know it after I got born again. I wanted to talk to people about the Lord, my old friends. And I, all I knew is the word I got saved. And my best friend said, from what? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get back to you. (laughs) I had no clue what to say. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You know, we don't have to know the whole Bible to be saved or even to, you know, pray or do anything really with God. It's, it's just truly simple childlike faith, isn't it? It it doesn't doesn't take a lot. I think sometimes we just try way too hard. (laughs) Yes. It's just a matter of a heart, your heart. If your heart is given to him, then yeah, all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. So what happened next? Well, after that, um, I went, they told us that my boyfriend told us that the Holy Spirit wasn't in the church. So don't go to church. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know a thing. And he said, Holy, and he said, LA is a den of wolves. And you know, it was just scary. But yeah. so I stayed, I would go to work, come home and I'd read my Bible every night. And after about six months, I said, God, I need a friend. <laughs> I yeah. am so bored. I mean, I was living in my little bedroom, reading my Bible. And so I went out that day to look for an apartment and um, I saw a high school friend of mine standing on the corner with what looked like an unabridged dictionary under his arm. 
and he was talking to somebody. Well, I knew he was witnessing to that person. I knew that was a Bible. So I pulled over and I walked up to the conversation and I started adding to, you know, what he was saying to the guy. He kept looking at me like, who are you? Who are you? That's how much I changed. He didn't even know who I was. I've been out of school for like two years. So yeah. anyway, he invited me to church that night. And I said, well, the Holy Ghost isn't in the church. <laughs> I can't come. He was like, who told you that? But I, that night I was so starved for fellowship that I went to church and I prayed, mm. God, forgive me. <laughs> forgive <laughs> me for going to church. And um, that's where I met Dennis. And um, then and I was hooked. I mean, from that night on. Yeah. And so went to church every night and. Then there was a church across the street from my apartment that um, was called Bethel Tabernacle. It's what Life magazine says was the beginning of the Jesus movement. And so I started going there. It was wild. It was just wild. It was (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So you and Dennis started dating then? Yes. Well, yes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Let me just say this. Dennis is two years younger than me, and I was all of 19 and grown up, and he was 17. <laughs> he was just out of school. I'd lived alone for three years already in my own apartment. I was dating guys way older. So he had a motorcycle, though. He had a Harley <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> and so I, I said yes to riding a Harley after church, and that's kind of how we started dating. Like, fun. I know, but so we went to, <laughs> we were in church constantly, seven yeah. nights a week, literally. Mm. And um, I didn't know we were in the middle of a Jesus movement. I'd never heard of that or anything. I thought this was church, everyday, normal stuff. As usual. And, yeah, church <laughs> as usual. And every, I mean, we were there every night. They gave us keys to the church because <laughs> they didn't want to come down and let us in. We would pray. We took uh-huh. over. The elders used to go um, on visitation, and they uh-huh. gave that to all of us. And here we are, like 19, 20-year-olds going out doing everything we could do. Just, yeah. Praise God. Yeah, so the pastor then, he knew what the Jesus movement was about. He knew it was a real revival. So he opened a coffee house for us. He rented it. He financed it. Oh. He paid he paid for the bands to come in. You know, back then, there, weren't a, there just wasn't Christian music. So. Yeah. Chuck Smith was out there and he had this Maranatha group that I think started with Chuck Gerard. And, um, and so all of those groups, they would come. I remember Petra came, they weren't even Petra then. (laughs) And (laughs) so every Friday and Saturday night, we would go out witnessing all day Saturday and then invite people to it. And people were saved. Yeah. Just for Mm. two or three years, we did that. Wow. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's so neat to be in the middle of a revival like that, of yeah. just God moving so mightily, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's just, I mean, I like I said, I thought this was church as usual. And it's like, yeah. man, I have I gotten into the right thing here, you know? Yeah. But, so, yeah, That's from true. there, Dennis and I got married after that. And um, we worked at a church as uh, youth pastors, which I love. I still love youth. I still love teenagers. I just think they're so alive and they're so real. Yes, they don't wear any masks and pretend and play games. So I just love them. So our job was really tough. We had to go to the school and pick up teenagers and then take them to the beach, (laughs) (laughs) take them to McDonald's or whatever. And so we could just talk with them and they would pour their hearts out to us. But Mm. it was in that kind of a setting, like on the beach where they weren't intimidated. It wasn't a church. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, our hearts were really knit together with those kids. That's wonderful. And then now you made your way out to Texas one year. Right. Um, (laughs) We had been exposed through Ed Dufresne to Kenneth Copeland, and we started going to his meetings. And um, after we got married, we decided to quit our jobs, which I don't recommend anybody doing. (laughs) Quit our jobs. I I was very confident I could get another job. I didn't even think about him, but um, you know, I knew I could get a job. So we quit our jobs. We borrowed a motorhome and we were going to drive to Fort Worth, Texas, because Kenneth was having three week meetings in uh, Fort Worth, and so we did that. And we got a the night before we left, we got an emergency phone call from the pastor that said, "I must see you before you leave," and um, he gave us a job. 
So we quit our job, but we had a job. But when we got home as youth pastor, so so yeah, so we drove to Fort Worth and um, I remember we were in a motorhome. So we pulled into a, I guess, um, wherever they park, what are they called? Motorhome parks. Yeah, RV. RV RV parks. And we paid $2.50 a night to stay there. (laughs) And I said to Dennis, we don't have enough money. (laughs) To last the whole week, we're going to go broke. (laughs) So um, anyway, uh, Gloria's mother met us at the convention and she invited us to park our RV in her backyard. So we got to know the family. They oh. came over every night after the meetings, and um, mm-hmm. that's really how we got to know them. And so it was, I don't know, maybe a year or two later when they asked us to go on staff there. So we moved to Texas. Oh, that is so neat. Mm-hmm. And you worked as office manager? Yes. No, not manager. No, 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 no. I was the low man on the, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just worked, um, actually, it was posting donations by hand back then. And then they moved up to what they had a memory typewriter and I would do type um, receipt letters for donations. And then when they got their commuter, I had already worked on computers in California. So I automatically went into that data entry and a bunch of taught a bunch of girls how to do it. So that's what I did. Dennis was the photographer and went on the meetings I and mean, he got to in the, you know, go to meetings for his job. <laughs> Pretty tough. So Dennis went to all the meetings, Vicky. Yes, he got to go on the meetings as a photographer, sit next to Glory on the front row. You know, and oh. so he, yeah, so he traveled while I worked in the office. And after about three years, the Lord told us to go out into our own ministry. So he went out, and I stayed uh, for another year. And yeah. so, kind of, so we were working in a church, seeing the inner workings of a church for two or three years. Then we got to work with the traveling ministry to see that side of it. So it really gave us a good concept of what we were going to do in the future. Go into church and help pastors and, you know, churches. Sometimes I think that's the best education. Don't you? I do. Jump in and experience every part of it. And then you have that so valuable um, Mm -hmm. in ministry. And I, I believe it's one reason y'all have done so well, because you do have a, such a great foundation. You know, mm. that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after y'all established your own ministry, Dennis Burke Ministries, and um, you have written several books. And um, I, I love the, the one, Some Days You Dance, that you wrote. And um, I was traveling a lot back and forth when David and I first got married because I was still pastoring in Panama City and we had the church here in Tampa. So I was doing traveling six hours up there every week and six hours back. So I was listening to a lot of audio things and I was so glad that you had your book on audio Mm -hmm. because I just could listen to the whole thing. You know, it was wonderful and it meant so much to me. so what inspired you to write that and even come up with a title? Well, I was inspired many years before I actually published it uh, to write that. It's kind of a funny story. I grew up in a very violent home. And so I wanted to write about um, how God healed me from all of the rage and the hate and, you know, all the stuff that I'd gone through. Right. And um I remember telling the Lord, I'm going to wait until after my mom passes away because I don't want to disrespect her right. in my writing. And I'd written a lot of it, but it hadn't been edited. So um, after my mom passed away, I had the lightning fast. Oh, I can I can write that book now. And the Lord said, is it OK to disrespect her now? And I went, well, no, <laughs> no. And he said, then I want you to write it in a way that it doesn't re- disrespect her. Mm. So it made a really big turn uh right then it was like the complexion of the whole thing so i wanted to write it like a novel like a story very conversational and so um the first half of the book or maybe a third of the book is really telling a little bit of my story and it's i candy coated because i really if i told the truth i don't think (laughs) anybody would finish the book you know if i really went into detail about what i went through so 
um, I did do that. And, um, and then the second half of the book is like how I came out of it. I really am practical and I'm a how-to person. So I know people say you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like, but how do you do that? So I like to write that way. This is how you do it. Real simple. Everybody can understand it. So that's how it came about. Then the title, I actually had a different title the whole time I was working, um, which was something like breaking free from guilt, shame, and blame, because I deal with all those things. And um, the editor said, you know, I think we had to come up with a title because you start talking about dancing. Dancing is in the middle and dancing is at the end. And I'm like, but I don't even dance. (laughs) Not that I have anything against it, but whatever. But she said, I think it's a really good title uh, because it just kind of encompasses everything. Just being free. And I, yeah, I tell a story in there about we were shopping one time for a stereo and we were with a friend of ours, couple, and my daughter was probably about 14. And um, my friends, Christian friends, ministers, started dancing. A song came on in the store and they started dancing. Well, my daughter ran. And hit her. <laughs> she was so humiliated, you know. And so uh, I, I was like, "You can do that. You're a Christian. You can do that." And they were like, "Of course you can." I was shocked. <laughs> I mean, I was so bound up. Um, it was like I was in the Taliban religion or something. <laughs> no, I just didn't know you could be free. So you know that one of the stories that I use in there about that just shocked me that they could be free like that and be Christians. Yes. <laughs> oh well it's a great title i really really like it and i you know i i love the parts that you were you were you know i know you didn't want to dishonor but you were um you know there was some rawness there about and truthfulness and Mm -hmm. and uh you know i respect you for that because Right, right now, you know, looking at you and how beautiful you are, and beautiful ministry with you and your husband together, and just you know all the tremendous things about the both of you, um, you would never think you've been through anything, <laughs> you know. And yeah. sometimes people have a hard time relating if they think you know you've been perfect all your life and never had a sad day or a, you know or a tear or anything. Yeah, true. And, I was at a public meeting. I was at a public meeting one time that that what it wasn't a Christian meeting. And this one lady, I was there for four days. She wouldn't talk to me. I would say good morning. And she's sitting next to me. I say good morning. And she just like, (laughs) just barely even grunt. And I thought, what have I done to make her so mad? We haven't even spoken. So the last day, the fourth day, she was talking about what had happened to her husband. Horrendous story. Her husband's father was a pastor in mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and um, one day a man broke in and shot all four of them, his mom, his dad, his sister, and, and him. He lived. Oh. Everybody else died. So he blames God. You know, mm-hmm. we were doing the work of God. Why did you let this happen? So she mm-hmm. was telling that story, and then I kind of piped up and said some things about what I'd been through, and she said this. Well, you like feel like you've never had a problem a day in your life. And I said, mm. well, let me expound on that. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> it, it can be a barrier. It really yeah. can be. Your looks. I mean, people judge you based on your looks. Sometimes that's good judgment. Sometimes it's not. Right. Well, I guess it's never good judgment. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I did a meeting in Pennsylvania many years ago. And when I stood up, it was a ladies meeting. I stood up and there I could feel the barrier between right. us me and the audience. And so I just started telling stories about when I grew up and I could feel them going chunk, chunk, Isn't chunk, that chunk something? until the wall came down. Then we can, now we can teach. Yeah. Now we can talk. Yeah. Because they had judged me as never having a problem a day in my life. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, and I found myself at one point um, just totally devastated in in life and Mm -hmm. because of that ministry as well. And, you know, it was uh, my first divorce when I was going through that. And um, I really felt like I needed counseling, but I was so terrified of, you know, especially being a minister, Mm -hmm. you you feel like you have the standard that you have to, 
I don't know what it has, you know, hold to and you can't disappoint anybody and they can't Mm -hmm. ever see that you're hurting or that you're, you know, Mm -hmm. at that point, I mean, I was, I don't even know, probably on the verge of a breakdown, you know, a mental breakdown, really. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother, who doesn't even believe in doctors, really, she's she was raised Christian science. She just we never went to a doctor growing up, but. She told me, she said, Scott, I'm going I'm to take you to a doctor. You need some help, you know. And the doctor put me on a mild antidepressant and then told me, you really need some counseling. This is a very, very difficult situation for you. And, you know, you need help getting through this. So I did. And I loved it, Vicki. <laughs> I, I know. It. Yes. I had a similar experience like that in 1994. That's what started my book, Some Days You Dance. It was in 1994. Went up family crisis, and I found I didn't have the substance to get through it. And I was suicidal. I laid in bed every single night with tears running down my face, trying not to kill myself. I mean, it was like I had a 12 or 13, 14-year-old daughter. And she's the one that kept me alive. That's the only thing that kept me Uh, alive. And for a year, I struggled with that. And here we are traveling, going to churches, and I'm devastated, totally devastated. So I finally won the fight over um, suicide. And I thought the better thing is just run away from home. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, if I could just go to a little bitty town where nobody knows me, yeah. I live in a rent, I'll rent a room from somebody. I'll just be a little waitress and pour coffee. <laughs> I thought that was my dream come true. Uh, and I thought my daughter will be mad at me, but she'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I fought that for another year. And uh, during that time, honestly, when I was suicidal, I mean, I knew, I knew that I knew this is really dangerous. And yeah. so I, decided to get counseling i needed help sure um i didn't know how to get it otherwise and i i knew the word yeah oh yeah me too and i believed it oh yeah but but i didn't know how to dig out of this ditch and so i started interviewing counselors and sad to say i went through about five or six that were bad. I called one. I won't tell you what. It was a Christian organization. I won't tell you who it was. But the woman, when I told her what I was dealing with, she said, and you call yourself a minister? Oh. Well, needless to say, I hung up on her. I did not need <laughs> I did not need more condemnation and no, guilt and shame. I, I had plenty to dish out here. Then I went to another one and another one and another one, and I couldn't find anybody that could even relate to me. And so I finally called Focus on the Family. I had heard they had a minister counseling free counseling on phone. And I I didn't even know if it was true, (laughs) but I called Mm -hmm. and asked for someone and got a woman who was so good. She even prophesied to me. She prayed such Mm -hmm. powerful prayers and just, she was wonderful. And she told me about a local counselor I guess they they have a list Mm -hmm. of counselors and I went there and um, that's, that's how I got free. I couldn't have done it myself. I just didn't know what to do, but she could help me. And she did help me. I went for about three months. The first session that I went in, I, I told her, I said, now, listen, I'm not just coming here for an hour. I'm coming for two hours. And I said, I will come back to you. If you give me your word that you'll give it to me straight, you'll Mm -hmm. give it to me strong and spare nothing. I said, I might crawl out of here bleeding, but I'll walk back in next week. Yeah. She she goes, okay. I said, I can't, I I don't have much time left here. (laughs) I don't know if we don't start getting answers. I knew what was going to happen. And, um, and she did, she was straight and, but not mean. She had answers. Sure. And, uh, she was a faith woman and she believed God and she used the word, but she just really set me free. And that's so good. So I really believe it. I mean, that's where my journey with Some Days You Dance began. Yeah, that's really, really good. And I'm so glad you didn't quit looking for one. 
because that could have been pretty discouraging going through four or five different ones. And thank God you're determined. You know? I know. <laughs> I, I think I was scared enough because, you know, when you're Catholic, you're taught if you commit suicide, go straight to hell. And I said, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. know, not that I believe that anymore, but I mean, that little yeah. fear. <laughs> The fear of going to hell. I'm like, I'm in hell right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That's true. I need help. So, uh, you know, but they can see things unemotionally from a different perspective than yeah. we can see ourselves. So I'm, I send people to counselors all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I became one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I started to, I went back to school to be a counselor. Yeah, I did. But I quit. <laughs> I didn't do what you did. No. Well, it just, it, like I said, it changed my life. And in a, you know, I mean, being born again, of course, changed my life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, that was the second experience that really took just an amazing turn for my life for the better. And then, um, of course, uh, going to uh, Brother Kennedy Hagen, his meetings and school and and then um, I can honestly say after that, it was being introduced to, you know, okay, I'm going to say it, psychology. I mean, I really, you know, I know there's so many in Christian circles that don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's just, um, you know, about your mind. Psyche is about the mind. And we, you know, in our circles, we call it the soul and renewing right. the soul and renewing the mind. And I think it can be just as injured at times as our physical body absolutely um, from past trauma, et cetera. And then also our emotions, you know, mm -hmm. can be all out of kelter. Mm -hmm. And like, like you were saying that someone from a different unemotional perspective mm -hmm. can bring so much wisdom mm -hmm. that can just set you free. It's yes. just, amazing. I totally, I totally believe in psychology. I have a friend who is a psychiatrist and has been in Dallas for 40 years. Real close friend of mine, and I've sent people to her a lot because she's so good yeah. and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She uses the that. Bible. I do Praise too. God. And I just want to sometimes go and let her talk to me. I'm like, I'll pay you if you'll just talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just love hearing about all this. But you know, you touched on something that um, really made a difference for me, and that was the psyche, the mind, renewing the mind. And this tripped me up when I was just first born again, everybody told me you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and everything's become new. And I said, that's just what I need. <laughs> I need everything <laughs> passed away. I need everything new. I just thought that was thrilling. But um, I went to work with uh, University of Southern California for a doctor there who was writing books on marriage. And they had a evaluation that all the students would fill out before they had counseling. So I asked him if I could just for fun fill one out because I love those kind of personality tests and that kind of psyche stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I filled out that form. It was multiple pages. And I came in the next day and nobody would talk to me. Nobody mm -hmm. would look at me. And I went to my little room and I typed all day until everybody was gone. But one lady and I said, what have I done to make you guys mad at me? And she said, you're the biggest liar we've ever met. And I said, I didn't tell a lie. And she said, we have nine lie questions on this test and you failed every one of them. And nobody's <laughs> ever, ever done that. Well, you know what I did? Now, this is really naive, <laughs> but I've been a Christian for two years already and I didn't know the difference. I filled out every question based on I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything new, right? Because yeah. I believed it with my heart. Sure. But I couldn't tell her that. <laughs> 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 I kind of slinked out of there and never came back. Um, how could I ever, how could they ever trust me if they thought I was a big liar? You know what I mean? So yeah. anyway, I learned a lesson there that that's not all we need to tell people. Really? It's not what we need to tell people. They know when they're born again, that everything's become new. I did. Sure. What they need to know is the renewing in the mind has to take place. And yeah. that never was talked to me, you know, and so that experience right there at that university told me this, I'm defective. It didn't mm -hmm. work for me. Something's wrong with me. I'm too big of a sinner. I did too many wrong things. Mm -hmm. I still love God. I still believed the word. I just didn't believe it was for me. Oh, wow. I was so defective. 
So I went years and years like that because I didn't know anything about renewing my mind. And I would think sometimes about the things I wanted to do, the things I used to think about. And and then it was just shame and condemnation. I didn't know anything about renewing the mind. So I think one of the key things is renewing the mind. Yeah, we are. When we get born again, we are a new creature. Yeah, I I didn't need anybody to tell me that. I knew I was totally different. Yeah, but I desperately needed to be taught how to renew my mind. Yeah, so that I could realize that the things that I done I had done in the past, I was brand new. Those things didn't apply to me. God accepted me. I was now the righteousness of God. Yes. Even though that was my history. So it took me understanding what righteousness really does for you before I really started to get free. Sure. And it was after that counseling that that happened. Praise God. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, part I know of my practice with clients is um, to have them become aware of things. In, the, in their thinking that mm-hmm. could be leading them in, in a wrong, you know, thought pattern or imaginations or, mm-hmm. or even feelings that probably aren't right on, you know, with where, where they are in re, in the reality of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, it can, it can be a little bit complicated, but God has a way of, you know, making all that healthy and, um, wholeness, you know, in your in your soul and your emotions. I mean, he has a way of just uh, making making it. You know, even though you know things have happened and they weren't good things and they were, you know, very at times very tragic. You know that they're still there, but it's not like you have the hurt and the the mm-hmm. oh the feelings of I you know I I can't even imagine why that happened. You know, all those things are so. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so relieved. Right. going through counseling of just right. burdens like that. Mm-hmm. Was that your experience? Yes, it was. And I have a friend that I sent to counseling and this story says a lot to me. Um, this person had been a young, young 13 year old and his father had committed suicide mm-hmm. and the family put on him all the responsibility to do all the planning oh. the day of the suicide. And he didn't do it the way they wanted. So they kind of redid it. And from that day forward, he felt like a failure. Mm. I can't do anything right. And he lived his whole life thinking I'm a failure. I can't make decisions. And he Mm. wouldn't make decisions. And I'm thinking that directed his entire life until this counselor friend of mine said, you didn't fail. You were failed. Like. It was like, that's oh, true. Those yeah. adults failed him. Right. He didn't fail. No. And that, a little word like that will yeah. change the whole perspective of your life. Yes. And Absolutely. set you free. Isn't that wonderful? It is wonderful. Just is one wonderful. little sentence. Right. That's the kind, kind of thing when you go to a spirit-filled counselor, they can hear from the Holy Spirit and just, sure. bam, one little word and your life is changed. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It really does set you free, those words. Mm-hmm. You and, know, I, you, I I use this example that um, the things that we experience in our youth and as adults, mm-hmm. always in life, um, if they are things like that or things like your your teacher saying we're just not college material. Yeah. Or in my in my case, I was called fat pig all my life mm-hmm. <laughs> for my my family and we were called stupid and we were told we weren't wanted and you'll never amount to anything and on and on and on and just constant. And so that's embedded in you. And yeah. this is the way the Lord showed me. He said, these become tattoos on your mind. Mm-hmm. They're embedded in your thinking. And yeah. so throughout your life, you'll face a decision or an opportunity or something and think, mm, I just won't make it. I'm a failure. You know, all those things will start to come up in your thinking because they're tattooed on you. Yeah. Until you renew your mind and God's double-edged sword removes them. And it doesn't leave a scar. That's why I say I can talk about the horrific things that I went through in my life without any emotion because God removed them and there's no scar. 
they feel like a story sometimes. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They were true. For sure. But, um, you know, so when you get into a situation where a spirit field counselor can bring light to you and they're confidential, I think that's one of the hardest things I deal with in ministry is that yeah. people are afraid to tell the truth. Yeah. Even even to a pastor or something, yeah. because it it'll be told to somebody even under the guise of pray for so and so, which I know in counseling you're trained to never talk about it. It's confidential. Yeah. And so we we in ministry, we ha- in fact in Christianity as friends, we have to get to the point where I'll go to my grave with this. No one will sure. ever know. Yes. You know, and yeah. then we have a safe environment that I can say how I really felt. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I remember wanting to kill my mom. In fact, when I was a teenager, I tried to. We just despised her. She was so abusive. And when I became a Christian, I was a youth minister. Yeah, I still wanted to kill my mom. (laughs) I mean, what? Nothing had changed. I hadn't renewed my mind, and it was. I still had rage toward her. Yeah. So let me ask you this: Did are you going to go to your pastor, knock on the door, and say? I want to kill my mom. Can you help me with that? <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. No. Mm-mm. No. He was my boss anyway. I mean, I lost my job. Yeah, I just want to sure. kill her. <laughs> no. So it's shameful about the things that are really eating you up unless you go to somebody that provides a safe environment. Right. And that's one of the things I respect about counselors so much is they they have that uh, standard about them. Yes, and held to it really by our licensure, mm-hmm. and right, and I think that's wonderful. I think it's like I like I, I agree the same thing. When when I was so hurting, I thought there's nobody I can talk to about this. You know, very very few, and uh, you know, and I didn't even think I could share with them really. So yeah, um, I was so thrilled when I could talk, and there was so much. It almost was explosive. <laughs> you know, there was so much buried for yeah. De- decades. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it came out sometimes in not such a pleasant way, but it did. Right. And, um, right. Became free from it. Um, one of the things I wanted you to talk about, Vicki, because I have one of your paintings here that is marvelous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have another one. In the other room, too, <laughs> that oh. you painted. Um, but I, I wanted you to talk about your painting and how that kind of came about, too, because it's a little bit of about what we're talking about. You were criticized. It is. It is. Can you tell so, us? That started when probably about five years ago, when a friend of mine who has painted most of her life said to me, yes, surely you've got some talent in you. Your mom's paints, your sister paints. And out of the tattoo that was embedded in my heart by my mother when I was 13 I said this my mother told me I had no talent so be a secretary and Mm. when it came out my mouth I'd never thought of that Scarlett since she said it when I was 13 never thought about it I accepted it yeah that's who I am and that's who I became those words directed my entire life Mm. I worked I never was I never taught I was in the office working, working, working in the office. That was what I was supposed to do because that's what I was told. Mm. So when I said that to my friend, my mom told me I had no talent be a secretary. The moment it came out, I said, and that thing dies today. Wow. I, knew it was, I knew it was a stronghold, but it had hidden for 50 years mm. and more than 50. I won't tell long. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got on the internet and I just looked for a teacher, a paint teacher, because I thought I don't really care if I have any talent. That's not the point. The point is killing, annihilating, obliterating this stronghold. And so I found a local teacher and I started going. I told her, I said, I don't know anything about art. I don't know anything about color. I don't know anything. Never taken an art class in my entire life. And so she was really good. She started, you know, teaching me and I started painting and they were different. <laughs> no. And believe it or not, I had a friend from high school in California who asked me to post a painting on Facebook when I got it done. She's painted all her life. So I did. And it sold. Oh. Somebody said, I want to buy that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then another one sold and then another one sold. And so I sold about 25 paintings before I said to my husband, I said, you know, 
I just wanted to kill that stronghold. And I did. I said, but now I'm making money off that stronghold. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, what else you got in there? You know, (laughs) so I started painting and really love it. And it's, it's changed. I'm so much, I paint all the time now. And um, that's wonderful. Yes. And it was, my point was to, to annihilate that stronghold, to remove that tattoo. I tell yeah. a little story. I think I tell this in my book, but um, I'd heard this story when I was, you know, a baby Christian, but I didn't know if it was true, so I never repeated it. But then a few years ago, I met a guy who has, his parents had worked at the circus. So he grew up at a circus. How about oh. that as a little boy? So I asked him, is this true story? He said, it is true. And we don't know why it worked, but it's true. So this is the story is that when a baby elephant, when they have a baby elephant in the circus, they tie a rope around him uh, to keep him from running away. But he tugs and he tugs and he pulls and he pulls every day trying to get off of that rope. Let me free. I want to run, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there comes a point in his time where he quits trying because he's decided Actually, he's been conditioned to believe yeah. the rope is stronger than he is. Yeah. So when that same elephant is 6,000 pounds as an adult, they put the same rope on him that was on that little bitty elephant that if he sneezed, he'd break it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that elephant was conditioned to believe that that rope was more powerful and stronger than he was. So a lot of times all these words and experiences like the divorce and just yeah. All the things that we experience, they condition us in a way that we believe it's stronger than the word of God. It did for me. Yeah. And I believe I believe the word for you. <laughs> I believe the <laughs> word was true. I just believe that I was defective and it what it didn't work for me. But yeah. see, my I had been conditioned to believe that that mm-hmm. life and my thoughts and the things that people said to me and the experience I had was more powerful than the word of God. And that's where righteousness really busted that out and renewing my mind too. Yeah. Finding out, I'll never forget when I really ran into righteousness. I say it this, I was on a collision course with it. And when I hit, it was like all that stuff busted out. And Mm -hmm. I was like, he accepts me. Yeah. Unconditionally. And it was a revelation that I say Mm -hmm. this in my book that went from, an 18 inch journey from my head to my heart. Yeah. When it got in my heart, it was real then. And that's what we have to do. That's part of that renewing our mind, renewing our mind. And so that it can drop into our hearts and lodge there. And once it gets there, you can't ever remove it. It's true. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's so good. Wow. I think it's amazing, Vicki, and just all the the teaching that you've done at our church, and you've really covered some things about what you're talking about, even in more detail, and I just love all that. Um, It was so good um, about Raz and, you know, all that. Yes. Do you want to talk a minute about that? Sure. My friend that's the psychiatrist um, put this in one of her blogs, and when I read it, I thought, "Well, well, of course. So as faith people, we believe that the word's true and that we can have what we say. And, you know, that is the truth. But when I heard this um, friend of mine teach that on the backside of our brain, at the stem of our brain, there is um, a little area about the size of a library pencil. And Mm -hmm. it's called the reticular activating system. And she calls it the RAS, an acronym for that. And what that is, is it's a search engine that God put in our brain. And when we think of something, um, that search engine immediately goes to work finding memories that substantiates what we're thinking about yeah. and backs it up. And it, it that search engine in our brain pulls out this experience and that word and this experience and backs up whatever you're thinking. So if you're thinking those thoughts that are not according to the word of God, like, you know, the thoughts that I had about my past life or, you know, I wanted to throttle somebody. And, you know, yeah. if I'm thinking that my RAS will go to work pulling memories out. Well, I say it this way. If you've been offended at somebody and they walk into the church 
and you look at it and immediately the res is going to go to work pulling out what they did do what they did do and that's your focus yeah. but you can change your focus when you just simply start thinking differently which is yeah. what the bible tells us to do sure. so when i start thinking about this person that is she's so pretty boy she's so nice boy you know just different thoughts God created her. She's got to have worth just like me or whatever, however you want to think about it. The yeah. Raz goes to work pulling out all the memories that are the good memories about that person. And that's how our brain works. So so my friend teaches all the time that um, according to research, that if every day you will speak three things that you're grateful for, that in 30 days you will change your entire life. Mm. This is this is proven research psychology. Yeah, the the naughty word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, what is what is that doing? Just reprogramming your mind. Yeah, I'm so grateful for whatever it is. And I started a little log myself mm. on my phone today. I'm so grateful for the rainy weather <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you know and. But that attitude of focusing your thoughts on something that's good. Yeah. Your RAS automatically, without us even telling it to do it, starts thinking about all the good things. Isn't, Isn't that amazing? It really is amazing. It is. So yeah. really anybody, anybody can change their thought pattern and the focus of their life that way. Yeah. And it really is the, the word, the scriptures that, you know, have, have taught that for years. Uh, and when I went back to school and got my bachelor's, my master's, I realized that there's so much of psychology that works just because it is actually based on the word. And exactly. some of these theorists probably didn't even know it. I don't know. They might. I'm have. Sure. But yeah. it, it, I think they take credit for discovering it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh. But it's anyway. been in the Bible the whole time. It, it it's has. been right there, yeah. And, and yet, then again, we go back to that um, having a somebody that majors in psychology able to explain it to us yeah. in a way that it kind of, uh, well, I don't know. It just substantiates it. It proves it. It's like God made this us to do just this all along. Right. But now, psychology has discovered this. Yeah. And and now we can understand how it works. I don't know. I'm that kind of person that show me how to how it works and I'll I just buy into it more. So <laughs> sure. Oh, I know. Yeah. I love that about you too. And like yeah. you said, your book, um, the last half is how to do. How to. Yeah. And one mm -hmm. of my um friends that I gave your book to, she she had really struggled with you know, depression and some things. And it so helped her. I mean, mm. she was so blessed by it. That's and I um, appreciate that. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, the Bible says that counsel is in the heart of a man, but the wise man will draw it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that many times we have, we have it in us, but a counselor can, can draw it out. And then you have that moment where you think, oh, that's exactly right. Or yes. Yes. Renews the mind. But, um, Anyway, I sure have enjoyed this. We could just go on and on, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. We Let need to get together. <laughs> I know, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I wanted to tell people about your daily devotional to Enriching Life Daily. And then also that you were uh, uh, in Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? Yes. Yes. Just one article. One time ever. That's awesome. And, yes. It was fun. It was kind of a writing goal that I put a, in front of myself. And I had sent them countless articles that never got accepted. And um, <laughs> this one, I just, it was part of um, how people in your life can um, really impact you. And it was my third grade teacher. Oh. I was so shy. I was so shy. I never spoke. And I, I know that sounds impossible, but it's true. <laughs> I didn't talk. And uh, my third grade teacher, we were nearly out of the semester, and he called my mother and said, something's not right here. Your daughter hasn't said one word the whole semester. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's not normal for a third grader. And my mom laughed and said, oh, she'll grow out of that. Mm -hmm. And he ignored her, thank goodness. He said, does she have anything that 
she loves in her life that um, that you could bring to school? And she said, well, her cat just had a litter of kittens. And he said, bring the whole box of cats to school tomorrow and we'll do a show and tell. So my mom dropped me off with this box of screaming kittens. <laughs> they didn't like what was happening. So, But, you know, when they were meowing, meow, 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 all the kids were gathering around me. And I remember walking to the steps of my classroom and Mr. Ducey, I'll never forget him. He just stood there with his hands on his hip, just watching this whole scenario. And I sat on the step and all the kids surrounded me. Can I hold one? Can I hold one? Of course, I was the spotlight. I'm like, you can hold one, but not for very long. You might, might mommy upset, you know? And so I was dishing out kittens to everybody and explaining about when their eyes open and just, I was this, in the spotlight. I was talking for the first time in my life. Oh. So he took the bell ring. He didn't stop us. We sat there until we were finished. Oh. Then he took us into the classroom and he asked me to come up and tell them all about my cats. And so I did. I gave a speech <laughs> <laughs> and I sat down and it was, it was the highlight of my life. So that was what my story was actually about. Oh, I love that. I, I submitted it about teachers. They have, you know, they have a book on, I think every year about teachers <laughs> and what they can do for you. So I just, I thought this is a great story. Of course, I wrote it better than I told it. But anyway, they rejected it. I was like, what's wrong with you people? This is a good story. Yeah. So anyway, they had a, another book come out on cats. I submitted it again and they took it then. Oh, that's so wasn't, neat. Wasn't the focus of my story at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So they put it in their book on cats. That's <laughs> great. I love that. I got in the book. That's <laughs> wonderful. Again, determination. Yeah. I hope that's kind of been a theme today. I hope that it, those listening can see that because it's so important yeah. to, to see your dreams and visions fulfilled. You know. Yes. Well, Vicki, I sure love you. Thank you so much. And we'll put information up so people can get in touch with you for, you know, your books and just your daily devotional, everything. We sure okay, love you and appreciate you. you. Love you too, Scarlett. We'll thank you so much. Soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All righty. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, um, you, I know you were blessed today. You couldn't help but be blessed by Vicki Burke. What a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. I want to uh, especially, um, you know, encourage you, if you've listened today and it's really touched your heart, you might know somebody that is dealing with depression or anxiety or they've had trauma in their life. Be sure and tell them about this podcast and tell them about Vicki and what and, you know, the books that she's written and let, you know, get them some help. And um, maybe it's you. And before we before we go, I want to pray for you if that is you. And um, God can certainly direct your life. And if you feel like you need counseling, I encourage you to go. I think I think everybody needs to go to counseling. I think it's just something that really can help our lives and enrich us in many, many ways. So I uh, totally um, encourage you to do that, too. But let me pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you for everyone listening. I thank you, Lord that they've heard some uh, wonderful encouragement today and admonishment. And I thank you, Lord, that if there's things in their life that uh, are really holding them back, burdens or, or um, you know, broken heartedness or emotions that they feel like are out of control, I pray for them today, Lord, that your comforter, the Holy Spirit helps them and that you guide and lead them even to others who can be of assistance and if, you know, if they feel like they need counseling, Father, I thank you that you'll help them fa- find the right counselor for them. And Lord, I thank you that you are our healer and that you help in every situation. You're the very present help in trouble. And so I thank you for each one today listening that they're encouraged today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, until next time, I believe um, we have our next podcast in a couple of weeks is with uh Kathy Duplantis, and she's a wonderful woman of God. So be sure and listen to that one too. Until then, God bless you and um, just be empowered by God today. 
Well, thank you for tuning in today to uh, this podcast. We have another one coming up. In fact, it's every other week, the first and third Friday. Hopefully this has spoken to you. If you would like to, we have a magazine. It's called Grace and Faith Journal, and it comes out once a quarter. And we'd love to send that to you. It has interesting articles. And then it tells what we're doing at Horton Ministries International to help people and to minister people around the world. If you want to email us at office at scarlethorton.com, then you can uh, give us your address. We can send you our Grace and Faith magazine. And if you're in Tampa, Florida, come see us at Grace Harvest Church. We passed our local church here. Uh, but we mainly want to pray for you uh, and encourage you. So uh, again, if you need prayer, email us for prayer. We'd love to do that. And uh, tune in next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.